D-S-N-Y. Major League Baseball is facing a crisis, a crisis that could very well lead to the end of the game as we know it. As sports leagues like the NBA and NFL continue to gain popularity, Major League Baseball has been hemorrhaging fans year over year. From 2000 to 2009, only one year saw World Series ratings dip below 10.0. From 2010 to 2019, only three World Series managed ratings above 10.0. The rise of an analytically driven approach to winning games has drastically reduced the amount of action in each game. Situational hitting, stealing bases, and sacrifice bunts have nearly become a thing of the past. Now every team is designed to walk and hit home runs with the unfortunate side effect of increased strikeouts. To put it bluntly, Major League Baseball isn't the exciting product that it used to be. But that's not to say there aren't reasons to tune in. Players themselves are bringing more energy to the game in the form of bat flips and strikeout celebrations. Balls are being thrown faster than ever before, and home runs are traveling like cross-country flights. Elite players are becoming must-watch television, like Shohei Otani, who currently leads the leagues in home runs while also sporting a 2.10 ERA. Fernando Tatis Jr. has revived the San Diego Padres fan base, who have proven themselves to be one of the most passionate groups in the sport. Players are letting their personality show in a way that doesn't conform to the traditional notion of how a ball player should behave. Instead of giving PR answers to reporters, the players speak honestly. Instead of leaving private personal lives away from the field, they're streaming video games, joking around on Twitter, and interacting with fans at the stadium. And perhaps most importantly, fans have taken the burden of marketing the game of baseball upon themselves. Companies like John Boy Media and Barstool Sports were built on fans creating content for other fans. Independent content creators like Fuzzy and Foolish Baseball have built YouTube empires simply by putting the legwork in to share their excitement with the baseball community. Rob Friedman, better known as the Pitching Ninja on Twitter, has become a household name in the baseball community because he took it upon himself to show just how incredibly talented pitchers are. Social media has taken over the sports coverage landscape. Gone are the days where the only sports content you could find was on ESPN and Fox Sports. Now, anybody with access to the internet and a passion for the game can share their thoughts and create a career for themselves. John Boy Media, for example, didn't even exist a few years ago. It started with a couple of Yankees fans deciding it would be fun to create a Yankees podcast. That podcast evolved into a company with hundreds of thousands of followers across all social media platforms and an impressive roster that includes former Major League players and personalities from major networks. And it's not to say that Major League Baseball hasn't tried to capitalize on the rise of social media sports, but for a number of reasons, they haven't been able to find the same success that independent content creators have found online. Keith McPherson, a content creator from John Boy Media, also spent time as part of the MLB Fan Cave in 2014, its final year of existence, and he believes that Major League Baseball fumbled a great opportunity to get ahead of the rise of content creators online. I got picked to be in the MLB Fan Cave, which was Major League Baseball's attempt at putting together content creators before the term content creator was even a thing, but putting together like different influencers or fans from different teams all in one place for one season. Uh, I did that in 2014. I just kept going with the content like around the stadium, going to games, going to visiting parks, uh, tweeting. Twitter is, is obviously huge. Yankee Twitter formed around like 2016. 
2017 and then I you know did a couple podcasts and now uh, in the last year um, it's now been over a year now wow that I've been uh, a full-time employee at John Boy Media and I've been doing Pinstripe Strong with Chris McFly and Joe's McFly and also doing Talking Nets under uh, John Boy Media as well so it's it's a lot um, but it's it's a literal dream to be able to wake up every day and work on your favorite sports your favorite teams and even get a little notoriety for it and what can you tell me about the MLB fan cave experience as a whole uh, I think it was a great experience for the people that were in it I think now looking back on it all these years people have kind of forgotten what it is they don't really know what it is and I think that's on MLB they could have done a better job marketing uh, the the whole event and the whole project but I think it was their their heart was in the right place MLB was trying to get uh, in front of you know the social media era they were trying to reach a younger audience with the fan cave they just didn't execute it the best way but the biggest thing I, I take from it is that's what started me in the sports industry entertainment industry social media and the group of people that I met are still my friends today and they're all awesome people doing their thing literally across the country and what would you have done differently with the MLB fan cave experience uh, as far as marketing it goes I uh, would have let the cave dwellers leave the cave. One thing that we tried to get them to do was let us go to the Red Sox-Yankees Sunday night baseball game. If that's the only baseball game on, let us physically go there, interact with fans, and create content. The whole premise of the fan cave was, no, these fans stay in the cave. They watch all 2,430 games in the cave, which is it's a cool optic for like people passing by in New York City. But I felt like you kind of contained our creativity doing that. I felt like there was more we could have done outside. And I, like I said, I would have just marketed it better. I feel like at the time, MLB was one thing and then MLB Fan Cave was another and then MLB Network was another and they had too many moving parts. Um, now they've put you know MLB corporate office in the same office together with MLB and now the MLB Fan Cave doesn't exist. So I, like again, would say they just needed to market it better. Do you think Major League Baseball does a good job of marketing the game as a whole? No, and I think we all know that, um, especially because we have the NBA and NFL to compare it to. And there are superstars in baseball that nobody knows. And there are players that should be household names based off of what they do on the field, what numbers they've put up, what accolades they have. And they're not household names. When you look at the NBA and we just passed the All-Star game, everybody knows all those all-star players you look at the nfl everybody knows you know the guys on the buccaneers on the chiefs the top players the top teams and in mlb it's like you know i hate that they throw mike trout's name out there but everyone should know mookie betts everyone should know francisco lindor everyone should know nolan arenado um, and it's on mlb to market their players better and i think they're working on it i know that they're working on it and they, they'll get better with it over time and really it's the content creators like myself, like yourself, and the people online that do keep these guys' names and faces and legacies alive and do get to reach an, uh, a younger audience, even without the overarching MLB machine, you know, cranking out the right content and, and hitting the right audience. What do you think is the reason that content creators, amateur content creators online have done a better job of marketing the game than the actual league itself? Because there's no rules. There's no gatekeepers. There's no rules. It's not buttoned up at all. You know, if John Boy and Jake want to make a silly baseball video about the top 10 shortstops, if 
if you know that's that's a video that Jake just put out top 10 shortstops top 10 first baseman and he kind of put a spin on it as as if he was a professor and you know um, got dressed up and did it John Boy with his breakdowns changed the game really giving you an insight as to what is going on on the field and you know spinning it in like a lip reading funny way and then also he does like stats that exist that, that don't matter and really just give you these like random baseball stats that exist but don't really matter just you know there's content creators that are, are doing a bunch of other things like like fuzzy foolish baseball um, even myself like black history month passed and I was thinking how do I how do I make content around black baseball players but like put the message in the medicine in a cool way that people will receive without just turning it off because it seems like a history lesson and I came up with baseball bars and I just started rapping about Hank Aaron, Fred McGriff, Joe Morgan, Mickey Rivers, and I feel like that type of stuff breaks through. MLB, they're gonna be too calculated. MLB, they're gonna think of every reason why something can't work before they just take a chance on it. But a lack of marketing isn't the only issue facing the game. Stephen Woods, a morning sports radio host from San Diego, believes plenty of blame lies with the tired notions of what baseball should be, perpetuated by the older generations of fans who fought back against the level of showmanship the players exhibit today. You need to get rid of the guy that doesn't get it. You need to get rid of the back-in-my-day guy. Um, no sport hates its sport more than old baseball players. You know, and listening to – who was I was listening to – I think it was a White Sox game. And, you know, look, no offense to these guys, but the guys in there sitting there telling stories about Moose Scourin from 1957. And it's like, you know, I'm a 12-year-old kid watching the game. I don't, know what, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. I know who Moose Scourin is. I'm 45 years old, you know. They don't know about Moose Scourin. They don't know why you threw a pitch at that guy's head because he flipped his bat. They don't know that stuff. Um, and, and so – Get rid of the guys in the game that don't love the game. Get rid of the guys in the game. I'm not saying they all got to be water carriers for Major League Baseball, but at least like these players. Don't have these kind of low-key, racist, dog-whistling people like Bob Brenly, you know, talking about their chains and all that stuff. I mean, just get rid of them. Just start there. You want to market the game better, get better salesmen. Get better marketers. Start right there. It's, the, it's your product. One of the main issues facing Major League Baseball is attracting new fans. Baseball is a difficult game to invest in without a prior history. Most acquire that love from their parents or from playing as a kid. But attracting a new fan to the game that grows slower every year is a difficult task. Max Goodman, a reporter from Sports Illustrated, believes that reporters are instrumental in attracting those fans to the game. I've always loved the players and loved MLB network and the kind of content that you see on social media. So I think that the league is doing a good job, but I'm already in it. So they're not at, at risk of losing someone like me. So I totally understand when people say that, that, you know, the blackout restrictions and Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis don't have as many followers as LeBron and that kind of thing. I get that. And I don't know how to fix that because baseball is a slower game and it's a, it's on pace to become kind of like a niche sport, which is awful to say because it's America's pastime, but I don't know how you compete with the NFL. That's a Mecca and the NBA with the excitement minute to minute. I do think that reporters are instrumental in marketing the game. It's, you know, 
Ken Rosenthal has a million followers. Jeff Passan is breaking news. If you're getting stories from them about these players and, and features from someone like Tom Berducci at, at Sports Illustrated, they can, like I, like I said earlier, they can get those personalities and those off-the-cuff interviews, and they can paint the picture of these stars that the common fan only knows for what their stats are and what their jersey number is and what they see between the lines or in the dugout. But as soon as they go back down into the clubhouse and go home for the day, you know absolutely nothing about these guys sometimes, unless they're the bigger stars and, and you know more. So it's it's a really tough predicament that, that Major League Baseball is in, and that's maybe why they're trying to tinker with the rules and you want to ban the shift. Do you want the DH? What are they going to do with all those things? I don't know. I don't think the game needs to be changed. But again, I, and I think we're on the same page here, baseball is is life you know like i don't need things to change and i'm not going anywhere for the next five decades plus but for the fan that is deciding what to watch on a summer night if it's tuning into sports center and there were 14 mlb games that night with a couple walk-offs and home runs that were on the highlights but you turn on the show and immediately it's about summer OTAs for the NFL and some sort of free agency thing for the NBA. That's the, that's the part of the game that I don't know how they can market that better. And I don't, I don't have that answer, but I, I hope that they're working on that because, you know, I think I saw an article the other day that these next five years, as we emerge from the pandemic are key for the future of this sport in terms of, you know, the, the commitment of the fan base is if they continue to take steps back with not having fans be able to watch games and competing with these other massive, massive leagues, what is the fan base going to look like in a few years from now? So I hope that reporters can get back into the clubhouse because it's easier to establish a relationship with the player and get those kind of unique stories versus being on a Zoom with 40 people and the player is staring at a monitor and there's no human interaction, there's no trust necessarily if you don't get to see the person in person. And we don't get to choose who comes on the Zoom. We don't know when these are happening. And it's hard to ask those questions about personality and off the field and those casual, informal things that we're talking about versus, you know, Clint Frazier, how'd you do in the game today? You know, that kind of thing. So a place like John Boy Media or Starting Nine or those kind of podcasts where players can come on and talk off the cuff and talk about their philanthropy or how they grew up and, and where their, their interests lie off the field or fun things that they're doing when they're not with their teammates. Like that was the intentional talk kind of vibe too. And we're not necessarily getting that as journalists, unless you're a veteran and you've been around these guys for years and years and you have their phone numbers and you can call them up and you're friendly and you have that relationship established. But for me, I had two months in the clubhouse before things shut down last spring. And obviously the goal is to establish sources and get those relationships and be able to get those stories that are 
off the beaten path of the beat, no pun intended. But that's hard for so many journalists like myself and even people who are older in this industry that don't have that kind of access. So for those places that aren't ESPN where it's so official and they aren't press conferences and, and PR types of situations, a player can let their personality shine and not have to worry as much. Obviously you can't say something that's going to get you fined, like I joked about earlier, but you can really let that side of yourself show that you're not going to see in those other environments. And so the bottom line and in conclusion is I hope that we can get back into the clubhouse because if, if zoom is the way that press conferences and all kind of media is held moving forward because of the pandemic, I don't know how MLB is going to be able to market their players as much because there are less publications and, and fewer places for these players to let that personality shine. And you're not going to see it in articles as much unless the journalists have those numbers and that relationship already established. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think working together is the key. It's, it's collaboration and cross pollination. You know, once you've established that reputation, I'm going to use as many Asian words that I can. Once you've established that reputation that you're worthy of getting that interview and you have enough of a following that an athlete is, is going to sacrifice their time to, to stop by your show or create something long-term with you, working together with those kind of people that already have an even bigger platform is huge. And I think John Boy is what, what he and his team are doing is the perfect example there are other YouTubers and, and podcasts that don't have the name of an already established publication and they're working from the ground up. But once you can get your foot in the door in a sense and have an athlete come on or a big name that's a guest, that opens so many doors in terms of who else you can get on in the future. And, you know, it John Boy Media isn't done with like getting Chris Rose, like they're continuing to grow even further, but getting someone like Chris Rose, who I grew up watching on intentional talk. And like, I, as someone who would love to be a, a host of a kind of show like that, aspire to be someone like him and for him to, excuse me, for him to choose to go to a place that isn't MLB network or ESPN or something.com that everyone knows that just goes to show how legit John Boy Media is and that you have to take these kind of places seriously. You're adding athletes, you're adding, you know, real experienced veterans in the industry combined with these guys that are, you know, fans, but they're so relatable to, to the, the Joe Schmo Yankee fan who wants to learn more about the team and have that unfiltered uh constant production of content from so many different ways and and having trevor ploof on there is is big too because you you want to hear from the athletes that you grew up watching and to get their kind of perspective when they're not you know in a suit and tie on a on a show or they're not having microphones stuck in their face in in a locker room he's just he's hanging out with a couple of his friends and that's that 
that unfiltered, like I said, but that comfortable, casual type of atmosphere is something that I think everyone aspires to get with those kind of big names. Goodman also noted one of the most important hurdles in marketing the star players in baseball. Tatis is is incredible and is going to be the face of the game or one of them, but he only gets four at-bats and there's only a couple ground balls to short in a game versus the ball is in LeBron's hands. Uh, the ball is in Patrick Mahomes' hands. So you can't fix that with baseball unless you totally change the game, which I don't think they should do. So you have to find that mix between getting the fans to, to fall in love with these players and know that it's a very big team sport where you're not only going to see this one guy that you love the entire game. You got to really fall in love with the entire team. That's why the, the, the Yankees and the Dodgers are so fun to watch because they have so many stars, but what do you do for the Tigers or uh not to single out the Tigers, but you know, the, the lower tier franchises that when you're drafting in the MLB draft, you're getting a really quality prospect, but you're not getting Zion Williamson. You're not getting a guy who is immediately in the league and the focus of national media, maybe in five years you are. And that's why Jason Dominguez is such a big name. And Bryce Harper, like you mentioned, like these guys that have such astronomical potential and they could be in the league so soon when they're in high school and, and, and younger than that. But you have to find that mix of taking a slow game and then the roots of baseball where everyone is taking turns and it's not like the biggest name is always on camera unless you have Tatis cam or something like that, which they could do. Um, but even still, he's not always being athletic. Sometimes you're just in ready position waiting for things to happen or sitting in the dugout for a few innings. So I don't know how they fix that. I mean, LeBron plays 40 minutes a game. Mahomes is on offense every single offensive snap. That's kind of just the way those sports are. I'm not a hockey fan. Uh, I like soccer, football, but that's that's baseball's niche and unless you're totally changing the game, you can't just fix that out of nowhere. So how do you market the players to outweigh that kind of pace of play and, and the way that baseball is? The fact of the matter is baseball is a very different sport from football or basketball. The action is slower and star players are in the spotlight far less often. Even at the very base of the game, the best hitter in the league will fail more times at the plate than he succeeds. So Andrew Rotondi of Bronx Pinstripes believes that despite all of Major League Baseball's attempts to generate excitement, it may just be out of their hands at this point. Yeah, that marketing the game thing is like a, a hot button topic. Um, and I don't know because I we all live in like the, the baseball Twitter bubble, but I don't know if it's like non-baseball fans even think about it. Um, but that like the marketing the game thing and people saying baseball MLB doesn't do a good job of it. I think that might be um, because the sport overall is declining in popularity. And I don't know that it's their fault for how they market it. I think it's just more the rise of other sports and the rise of other entertainment that is out there. So I guess to answer your question about how traditional and non-traditional 
market it differently. Um, the non-traditional, like people like yourself, like me, who have our personal social accounts, our our podcasts, whatever it is you're creating, it's what it's what you're interested in versus what the you know what you're trying to uh, appeal to if you're working for like the Daily News or if you're working for like the New York Times or Sports Illustrated or whatever it is, where you have a boss and you have a job to cover like the wins and losses, the X and X's and the O's in a more traditional um, manner. Um, so I think it's allowed more varied opinions, more varied uh, topics, more varied uh, ap approaches to watching games. Um, and I think there's a place for both. Like there's still plenty of people who want to read a, you know, a thousand, 1200 word article about the game last night. And there's people who want to listen to a 45 minute podcast about the game last night. There's people who want to watch a three minute video about the game last night. Like there's people who want to do all of those. So there's, there's a place for all of this coverage. Um, and I don't know if, is that answering your question about marketing the game or covering the game? Because marketing the game, I guess, would be different in the sense that like what's baseball doing to try and grow it. I mean, they're trying to do a lot of things. They had the London series in 2019. They were going to do another one of those in 2020. They're trying, they say they're trying to promote like their, their younger stars, like uh, Tatis Jr. And, and uh, Juan Soto and like all, all these young 25 and under baseball players that they're, they're trying to market. I just think they're trying to market a product that isn't appealing to the masses. And that's, that's like the bigger issue. It's not like the NBA or the NFL where people make it appointment television or people make it appointment viewing every night to watch LeBron or, or Steph or, or whatever it is. Um, so I just think the, like the sport has, has lost market share. And I don't know that it's a fault of MLB's marketing. I think it's just the, the evolution of, like entertainment <laughs> over the past 50 years. I, I loved um, Theo Epstein's uh, quote after he stepped down as Cubs general manager. And he took, he's, I think he took like, I forget his exact role with, with MLB, but he's taking like a, a senior position with the MLB office. And he's like, people like me ruin the entertainment value of the game by pumping it with analytics. Like you're right. It does work. Like the teams are going to get, results over a 162 season but when you're sitting down and watching at 7:05 p.m till 10 50 at night because that's how long these games take it's not the most entertaining product and we have to like theo was kind of taking a step back like baseball has to take a step back fans should take a step back and think well why am i why am i following baseball is it just because I want to see the team win no matter how, or do I want to be entertained? Isn't this an entertainment? Aren't I trying to get entertainment just like I get entertainment from watching a Netflix show or listening to music? So I, I think that's like kind of been lost over the past decade. So if baseball is an unmarketable sport in today's era, why have content creators found so much success? Why even bother to put in all this work for a sport that's seemingly dying? For Justice Parman, a content creator from San Diego, it's just about celebrating their teams with the community. I don't see the Padres being in the national market, so I want to put them out into the like everywhere to see the Padres are here. I mostly do it to allow 
you know, San Diego Padres fans as a whole to celebrate these players. And in another sense, like with how accessible, like the players are these days, like I've seen, I've had some of the, some of the players like the stuff and watch the stuff. And I don't think they're getting that much. So if they see themselves like in a crazy hype video, like that I'm not I'm not equating anything to anything but like as a baseball player like I'd love to be celebrated in a way through hype through hype video or whatever so if I can at least have the opportunity like a half percent opportunity to like make players feel better about themselves and have fans like rally around those players or or this team then yeah I'm of course going to do that because I mean, they kind of, I feel it's not deserved, but it's more like, I, I just want them to have this experience because I understand how long we didn't have this. We didn't have this for a very long time. So the fact that we have it now, like I want us to enjoy this, enjoy this. I just didn't see anything that accurately reflected in video wise, hype video wise, that accurately reflected the excitement of Padres fans, not only in San Diego, but across the, at that moment, scattered across the world, just little here and there's, but nothing encapsulated the anticipation and the excitement that was about to come to Padres fans. And I started doing hype videos to kind of uh, and make that void less empty, I guess. But the question remains, if Major League Baseball is trying and failing to market a product that isn't as entertaining as it used to be, why are content creators succeeding? While fewer people are watching baseball each year, how are companies like John Boy Media growing so quickly? According to Keith McPherson, it has nothing to do with the game itself and everything to do with the people creating that content and creating a community around the game. It's fun and it's relatable and... It's funny, we were trying to think of a tagline for John Boy Media, like, John Boy Media, what? You know, John Boy Media, like, what's the tagline? What's the, what's, the, what's the line that comes after John Boy Media? And we haven't got there yet, but something I was circling on is, like, you know, the, the fans brand or the brand for the fans or fans, fans with a brand for fans because all of us started off as just fans doing this in our apartments, doing this in our basements, doing this in our mom's attics, and look where it can take you it can take you to meeting your favorite player it can take you to meeting uh you know some of these guys that you see on tv that call the games whether it's a michael k a david cone and for these younger kids i think they relate to us more because we are regular guys we aren't analysts we aren't former players we can't play baseball at all like none of us are athletic enough to even like you know like we have trevor plouffe under our umbrella former baseball player which he brings a ton of experience and knowledge but I feel like the kids see us and they admire us and they want to be where we are because this wasn't a job when I was in college this wasn't a job that you could even imagine having um, the platforms weren't created the opportunities weren't there yet but when I say like John Boy Media the fans brand or brand for the fans or fans making a brand for fans I think that's just it you can come to the stadium and watch a game with us you can DM us and get a response you can tweet at us and we reply um, some of this stuff that you see from like guys on MLB Network, these verified accounts, they're not replying to every fan. They're not talking to guys. They're not doing events. And then their style is very buttoned up. Like I'm tired of seeing guys in suits talk about baseball. You can wear a hoodie and talk about baseball. You can wear 
uh, a t-shirt and talk about baseball. You don't have to be in this suit, and baseball doesn't have to be this like prestigious. Like I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Like we gotta loosen the game up. They already are saying let the kids play. Well, like let the kids play and let the fans play around and you know make fun of their favorite players or admire their favorite players' hairstyle or who's the hottest guy on the team or what are these guys into off the field and then that will bring in people that are into more than just baseball. <laughs> what 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 ha what attracted Ploof and some of these other players to us I think is we're gonna we're gonna take your ideas in, into consideration. We're gonna take your thoughts into consideration and we're not gonna give you a bunch of no's. We're gonna give you a bunch of yeses and try and figure out how to do exactly what you want. Um, there's other outlets and other venues in baseball or in sports media that are gonna tell you, no, we can't do that. No, absolutely not. Or this goes against some corporate sponsor or we can't talk like this on the podcast or no, we can't do this. And uh, I think with John Boy Media, you know, these guys are realizing they can come in here and really be themselves. Andrew Rotondi echoed that sentiment, believing that fans are attracted to the content creators because of their personalities, not because of their contributions to the game. Uh, well, it's personalities. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, Jimmy has a personality that people like. It's not, I, in my opinion, it's not the game of baseball that people are watching his content for. It's him. Um, so, and basically like MLB network and, and all those things, like they have personalities, but you know, is someone going to go tune in to watch uh, whoever's hosting MLB tonight at this point? Like, I don't even know. Um, uh, Kevin Millar, is he still on? Is he still on? I don't, that, I don't think show? so. Yeah, I don't think so. Because once, or actually maybe he is because Chris Rose left. Um, so yeah, maybe Kevin Millar yeah, is still on. So there. I think it's, I think it's like the, I think it's personalities and Barstool Sports also does a great job with that. Um, they have personalities and they're fans. Um, so people relate to the fan and the person of, uh, of the sport. I don't think that they're uh, attracting non-baseball fans to their content. They're attracting baseball fans to their content. Creating a community within the fan base has proven vital to content creators, and no fan base in Major League Baseball has built a community as strong as the San Diego Padres fans. Despite suffering through years of subpar teams, the Padres fan base has only grown more intense for one simple reason. Failure. I think, I th I th I think failure has um, brought the community together. Like, honestly, I, I equate it to um, when you when you're going into like class or something and you know, like this test is going to come in and you're all going to fail this class, but Hey, you bond because of it. We're all going to get, you know, slaughtered in this test. And similarly to Padres spent, we've all been through this kind of, <laughs> it's weird talking about shared experiences and communal experiences uh, given the pandemic that's happened last year, but yeah, we've all had that shared experience of <laughs> failure and just absolute awfulness and i think that's brought us even closer together and the fact that now we all have this team that we can celebrate and it's widely celebrated everyone like outside of san diego even loves this team because it's kind of hard not to like these guys are super fun and they play with such joy for the game and the fact that the community gets to celebrate these guys and this team and have them put on for san diego it's beautiful so Stephen Woods even uses the passion of the Padres fan base to enhance the content of his own radio show. And having such a strong connection with the fans has led to Ben and Woods becoming one of the best sports radio shows in the country. We get a lot of good ideas from Twitter. A lot of good ideas. Um, we get a lot of like topics. You see something, wait, now this is interesting. Ben, what do you think about this? It's like live reaction in, in the restaurant, you know? 
as they're eating the food. It's really phenomenal. And the fact that, that not every sports show has embraced Twitter is moronic. I'm glad they haven't because it sets us apart. It's crazy. Uh, it, it's, it's the way that I've always been since I got on the radio. I, I kind of made it a point when I moved here that people were going to be getting to know me to be, I've had, I've had arguments with other radio people about this, right? This is years ago. They said, man, why do you let these weirdos, like and they call them like weirdos into your life or like, you know, why do you let them on your Facebook friends list? And I just, the way I thought was like, if they're going to take the time out of their day to listen to my show, the least I can do is write them back if they have a message or answer a question or just say what's up, you know, or, or shoot the breeze with them during a game. I think, I think people get a kick out of that. You know, I know I would. So where does Major League Baseball go from here? With so many content creators finding success and growing where the league itself is declining, how can the community come together to ensure that Max Goodman's prophecy of baseball becoming a niche sport does not come to fruition? The answer is cooperation, not competition. I think they should be working side by side with the content creators. I think they should be reaching out. If you see someone that has built a YouTube like Fuzzy or like Foolish Baseball, and obviously John Boy Media now, we're, we're national and we're getting bigger where you know, it really wouldn't matter, but like as MLB sees these content creators rising and they're creating content around their game, they should be facilitating that. They should be asking these people, what do you need? What do you need access to? Clips? You need editors? You need uh, access to players? You need to get in touch with their managers, with their agents, and, and maybe have them on a, your podcast? Like I feel like MLB should be fostering these relationships with the people that are literally carrying their game uh, forward. Instead, they will you know block their content or you know years ago when i was in the fan cave they had bam where you weren't even allowed to make a gif from the game without getting flagged they basically counted against themselves by stopping people from being creative with their content and kind of putting this like hold on all of their content now it's 2021 we're going back to 162 i feel like mlb should embrace everyone that's creating video content audio content Instagram, Twitter, TikTok stuff around baseball, period. Major League Baseball needs to recognize how strong the fan bases are for each individual team. Each individual team has a Twitter, hashtag Yankees Twitter, Padres Twitter, Mets Twitter, Red Sox Twitter, Dodgers Twitter. So start there. Look at these pockets of fans and then pluck the top fans. You, I mean, you can't always make an accurate list, but you can see who gets the most interaction, who has the most followers, who people like. And you should be adopting those people. You should be pairing them up with the team's social media, right? We've seen the Yankees' social media get a lot better over the last few years. They're even now starting to reply to fans more and take pop culture and spin it into some of their captions and copy and just, you know, just be a cooler product. I think if these teams also connected with the fans that are creating around their teams and brought them in, it would hit another level. Yes Network did that. Honestly, in 2019, the Yes Network brought me in just because they saw what I did on Twitter. They brought Joe's in. Um, there's some other fans that have been featured and that's that's just a television channel. That's just a, a network recognizing that. Imagine if all 30 MLB clubs said, okay, we need to find the top 10 influencers, content creators, podcast hosts around our team and actually help them create content better. But Andrew Rotondi doesn't believe there's a simple fix to the declining interest in Major League Baseball. He believes that due to the state of the game today, paired with the inherent nature of how the game is played, it's going to be difficult to attract new fans to the game at all. 
it's hard because it's not one thing that caused it. It's like 50 different things that all added up to where the game is today. So it, you can't just make one change and have it fixed. You have to make multiple changes if they do want to get back to a, a more action-packed three hours. Because the games, I think the average game from 2020 was like three hours and like 10 minutes or something like that. And, and 15 years before that, it was like, two hours and 58 minutes so it's like it's 12 minutes okay i mean that adds up over the season but it's not like we're talking about an hour here but the problem is that three hours and 10 minutes is so much more slower paced than that two hours and 58 minutes was so how do they make the three hours more action-packed there needs to be more balls in play so maybe moving the mound back will help Maybe shifts, uh, uh, eliminating uh, shifting would help. Maybe deadening the ball so players aren't only trying to hit home runs would help. It's it's a it's got to have to be a shift in mentality and how these teams are building these rosters because if you have a roster full of Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, Luke Voigt, etc., who all they do is hit home runs, walk and strike out, well they're not going to be able to change their approach and just hit singles the other way, like DJ LeMahieu. So it's, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. So you have to make tweaks to the rules of the game and make tweaks to how the game is played. So then teams change their approach on how they're building it. Um, other, other people say, well, this is just the game evolving. And, you know, this is cyclical, just like the dead ball era was cyclical, just like steroid era was cyclical. Like, these things come and go and we're living in it. So maybe it seems like it's happening at a slower pace, but I don't see it getting better. Uh, I see it getting worse. So if we're like trending downward and then we're talking about, okay, baseball needs to market the game. Well, they're trying to market a product that isn't appealing to the masses. And like, what you gotta, you gotta change one of those things. Like you gotta, you gotta change how we make the game more appealing to the masses. And then, and then if you have a better product to market, um, it, you know, it, the game isn't shit, but it's tough to market shit. Um, it's like the old cliche. Regardless of whether Major League Baseball has failed to market the game, the game itself has become less entertaining than other sports or a nasty combination of the two. The fact remains that Major League Baseball has been seeing a decline in viewership for decades. And it's become clear that while content creators have done a lot of good in capitalizing the excitement surrounding this new form of talented baseball player, the disparity in the most efficient way to win a baseball game and the most entertaining way to do so is only becoming more drastic. Major League Baseball would be forced to take drastic action at some point, perhaps lowering the mound as they did in 1968 or banning defensive shifts. But if and when they make those moves, it is also clear that content creators will need to take over the reins when it comes to marketing the game. And the league should help to facilitate that content by increasing the level of access independent content creators have to the players the league wants on the center stage.